going to heat up in here. <laughs> it does. It does get hot in here. It it's does crazy, get hot in here. Crazy it room. Does. Yeah. But it is going to heat up because we're back for another podcast. Welcome back to the Odoom and Andrea show. Podcast for myself, my beautiful wife, Andrea, get together and talk about a book that Andrea has read about someone who's done something really cool or about a topic that's pretty interesting um, that we kind of want to discuss and see if there's any ideas or philosophies that we can incorporate into into our lives mm-hmm. um, because we're trying to live the best life possible and maybe there's some stuff out here that, uh, that uh, you know, you might want to try for yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you listen to us. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So today mm-hmm. we're going to be reading, this should be interesting, The Comfort Crisis, Mm -hmm. Embrace Discomfort to Reclaim Your Wild, Happy, Healthy Self by Michael Easter, Easter, Esther, Easter. Easter. So that's the book right there. So, I mean, there's like a billion things I can say about this already (laughs) in terms of um, being comfortable. Uh, We've dealt with this issue quite a few times and Mm -hmm. obviously Goggins talks about it quite a bit. Um, A lot of people talk about, you know, just kind of pushing yourself beyond your limits or whatever. Um you know, get on to the other side, but um, mm-hmm. we'll see what this this guy has to say. Um, so yeah, so right before we get into it, um, of course, as always, if you like the stuff that we do, check us out, odoomandandrea.com. We got lots of other podcasts on there, and um, well, actually, that's, that's pretty much all I have to say. Cool. So do you have anything else you want to say? Sure don't. Asides from telling us about uh, about the book, The Comfort Crisis, Michael Esther. Easter. Easter. That's <laughs> what I said, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Uh, take it away. So I picked this book because it's been pretty popular in like the personal development and like goal setting kind of stratosphere if you're into that kind of thing. Right. And so I've seen it around for a while. But well, are you into that kind of thing? Of course. <laughs> um, but sometimes like it takes me a while to like, I'm like, oh, what can this book possibly teach me? I was like that with Atomic Habits and then I read it and I was like, oh my God, this book just changed my life, even though I thought I had some pretty good habits. So it was kind of the same thing for this one. I was kind of like putting off reading it. But then one of my favorite podcasters, um, Dr. Peter Atia, Mm -hmm. he was saying how much he loved this book. He's read it like three times. He gave it to his daughter to read and I was like, okay, I guess I better read it. So it was awesome. And then plus the other thing is, is like the importance of struggle. And we've talked a lot before about the importance of struggle and getting uncomfortable is so important. And especially like even just on a daily basis, like, like Rogan says, like you do your workout and you do like a really hard workout, you know, literally anything else you tackle that day is not going to be as hard. And so it's good to have that struggle and uncomfortness. And for me too, uh, a little bit of struggle defines, I think it defines a little bit of who you are and gives you a little bit of meaning and purpose in life yeah. because if everything's just too comfortable, it's just, you wake up and that's why I can't do vacations. I, know, I can't do I know, vacations because you I just know. sit there I know. and do nothing, I know. you know, unless you have a shit ton of money or whatever and you can go and you can go on like surfing adventures or adventures or, or whatever, then that's okay. But the, the whole idea of, Hey, we're going to go on a cruise and we're just going to sit down on a boat and we're going to sit by a pool all day. Like, I, well, done. I'm done after the first day. Like yeah. I can't. I got to do something. There's got to be something to that I got to work on to feel like I'm just moving forward in some yes. way. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, I think that's yeah. 
struggle is important. So his background, the author's background is he's already a journalist. He wrote like a bunch of different articles for like men's health and I think a couple other magazines and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And he's 28 and he realizes he's not actually as healthy as these articles that he's reading. And not only that, he's an alcoholic. Yeah. And so he realizes he needs to quit and he realizes like, how difficult it is to get sober and he says day by day i embrace the raw discomfort of hard change and soon the world opened up yeah so he gets sober and then for one how of long does it take him do you know i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure he then goes on a hunting expedition in nevada for a um an article he's writing and he goes with this pretty with this pretty famous hunter and he's like this sucks <laughs> like mm. i'm bored i'm cold he didn't wear like the right type of clothing the food sucks like everything's uncomfortable yeah. but he gets back and it's like everything's so easy and it's like you appreciate yeah. it so much he's like 100 back in las vegas and that it's so hot but he they have air conditioning and yep. it's so easy to get like you know food and all of these things and he's like he looks around and he realizes that just like comfort is everywhere and he's like what but he felt really good when he came back from it like yeah. he just felt so good but then it wanes i think too right and you have to almost kind of keep exposing yourself to that discomfort to be able to recognize the comfort and the good things you have and to appreciate of them course. a whole lot more. And I think what mm-hmm. this reminded me of was when we did our backcountry camping yep. in Algonquin. And that was when we came back after that trip and had our our first meal, our breakfast at that restaurant. Yeah. Literally the best breakfast. You loved it. I was so good. I, was, I still like no one can do breakfast right, but uh, well, but I know what you're saying. So I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's just like you sit down and someone's making your own meal. Oh my meal, gosh! Whatever. I don't have to figure out how to do dishes and yeah. rehydrate shit. Well, just throw <laughs> the dishes in the lake. It's, it's pretty it's easy. <laughs> so he wondered what cleansing myself of all of these other comforts could do mm. for me, and so he was kind of getting must have like been getting obsessed with this idea of comfort and discomfort so i gave goggins a call (laughs) (laughs) shockingly no Uh. um so he says kind of the thesis of the book is we're living progressively sheltered sterile temperature controlled overfed under challenge safety netted lives and it's limiting the degree to which we experience our life Mm. which is so true and like we were just saying science even shows that when we are challenged we are we become physically harder mentally tougher spiritually sounder we're just overall better people when we're challenged and even things like it is protective against like chronic diseases like obesity Mm -hmm. and cancer and diabetes like all of these things it protects against right and so but the biggest problem is is like our environment that we have created, like all these technological advancements, all this stuff, it has evolved faster than we have. And so our our still like kind of Neanderthal or caveman brains are still wired that way. And so things like mm. social media and all these addictive devices are still well, like that. we could talk a lot about that. I mean, yeah. that that's how these I mean, these social devices uh, or social networks on these devices are designed in such a way to tap into our primordial instincts yes, of, exactly. you know, lighting up your hippocampus, not the hippocampus, the, um, what is it? Your pleasure thing. Yeah. The pleasure. I, what, what's uh, I forget. Like I the forget. dopamine, right? Ever it's, mm-hmm. it signals dopamine or whatever yes. for those little hits, whatever. Anyways, but it knows what the body kind of wants and what it kind of craves in that short term gratification thing. And they're heightened to do that. So, 
yeah, I, I totally see what you're saying in terms of our evolution has not even come close to being able to match our technology. Yes. And it's only going to get worse because yes. technology doubles every, like the doubling of technology, like it shortens. What is the, uh, I don't know. What the hell is that I stupid thing? I can't even remember. Saying. Oh, it's been so long about, yeah. I'm going to look it up. It's just that, was it Murphy's law? No. Not Murphy's law. <laughs> Murphy's law is anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Oh, it's that, the guy where technology doubles and yes. it's just like, it's an exponential yes. growth basically is what it is. Exactly. Um, and so like, it's only going to get worse and there's nowhere near that humanity can evolve to keep up with technology. Like, yeah. I mean, we can't even keep up with the laws that govern the technology with our evolution because our morality and our social structures change so slowly Yes, that there's all kinds of, anyways. Well, and it, it causes these problems. Like, so like all of our physical comforts, like like being physically comfortable just sitting in a nice comfy chair sleeping in a nice comfy bed no. like all of these things have been taken care of being in climate controlled buildings yeah. but we there's there's like there's trade-offs to it and i don't think we've like completely understand what those trade-offs are and how detrimental they are to our like mental health and physical health yeah well it's, it, it's it's one thing that i know sorry i don't know if you want to go on with the book here but like for example like for me my back pain and everything yes. that's all it's like Western lifestyle, yep. 100%, 100%. that's caused that because all I'm doing is sitting down, I'm on a computer, working, yes. clickety-clack, whatever. So all the things that I'm doing to try to combat that and try to like completely cure myself is doing things that people would normally do if they weren't living in a society that they're sitting in all the time. So I'm trying to squat all the time. I'm trying to move. I'm trying yeah. to get all those natural movements back into my life. And yeah, it's like there's this trade-off that we haven't even stopped to think of, is this really the way that we want to go? Is this of beneficial to to humans and, yes. and how we live and we can just see now in our healthcare system i mean mm. everyone's sick everyone's overweight and you know i'm myself included right like it's you fall into that trap and yeah it's is it really is uh, i almost think is the juice worth the squeeze like is the technology worth well what we've given up and in what our health he says it like we haven't moved the ball down the field in terms of the most important metric which is like our happiness mm -hmm. and our health span our uh, yes yeah. we have a longer lifespan but you can argue health span is not the same isn't our happiness like almost the lowest it's been in a long time or it's really know. low compared to a whole lot of other people that we're gonna even around the world we're gonna talk about that but yeah okay. absolutely the next thing that i do want to talk about though before we kind of get into it is he talks a lot about like comfort cr creep and he did not make this mm. connection but as i was reading this i this really spoke to me and it's the one thing i wanted to pull out and talk to you okay. so there is this he references so many different studies and he talks to so many different scientists mm -hmm. and psychologists and like all sorts of people. Yep. So he talked to this one Harvard psychologist and he wanted to find out if the human brain searches for problems, even when problems become infrequent or don't exist. So he had two kind of studies for this and I don't exactly remember what they were. One was people were given like papers or experiments and had to rate if they were ethical or not ethical. And so as time went on, they were given more ethical than non-ethical, but they were still marking like... The ethical ones as non-ethical. Yes. And so even though there was less non-ethical in the group, it didn't change the number of... of of studies they marked like the proportion of studies they marked yeah. unethical mm -hmm. so even though there wasn't a problem there they were still looking for one 
Okay. So it was the same thing when they were looking at like faces that look, I think, I think it was faces. I don't quote me on this, but it was something like this where they were looking at faces that looked threatening. And as they, as time went on, there was less and less threatening looking faces, but there was still, they were still reporting the same proportion of threatening faces, even right. though there was less. So like as the time went on, like every, say they really looked at a thousand photos, the first hundred, maybe like 90% of them yes. would characterize as threatening but then at that, the end of it yes. like one out of 100 but they'd still say 50 percent yeah, is whatever exactly, exactly. yeah yes. so that you know, oh sorry and so but what what this spoke to me so much and he didn't make like i said he didn't make this connection but i definitely did so it's not what they found was like we maybe we experience fewer problems in our lives but it doesn't improve our satisfaction level with things and we don't we're not more satisfied and i think I 100% think that this is where this whole wokeism and outrage culture is coming from is mm. like we live such easy lives. And so we're trying to look for a problem. You gotta there find something. really is no problem. Right. So the, I was just like, oh, that explains a lot. Yeah, no, it, it does. And to go a little bit, well, to, to continue on that is um, it's always like a baseline. Right. Yeah. So it's like you're saying as the study went on, they kept finding more and more things it's because it's almost like it reestablishes your baseline where exactly. it's like, oh, well, there's 10 people. So, exactly. well, I have to find the threatening ones or like say you had a list of rate them in terms of attractive or not attractive mm -hmm. and like which ones. And then you have a, and the people are constantly getting more and more attractive. Then all of a sudden you have to adjust exactly. what your threshold, threshold for is. what you find attractive based on yes. what you're, what you're getting at. Absolutely. Um, if you're not really conscious about it, I think that's the thing too. Cause if they don't know the study, they're making sure that they're yeah. conscious bias or whatever, can't really kind of pick up on it. So that's very interesting, but yeah, absolutely. Like we live here at least in North America anyways, the most prosperous, the most abundant of anything that we have. Like if you want to work and get whatever it is that you want and achieve what you want, you can like now more than ever start up a YouTube channel or whatever and start up a business. It, it's the barrier of entry is nothing. Yeah. You can start anything. You can collect payments online. You could do everything that all the big guys can do. Maybe even better because you're more nimble and faster. It's all available. Internet's everywhere. It's really? so ubiquitous there's almost nothing like for me thinking about when I was younger dealing with people that were racist or dealing with racism, whatever. Like I don't see any of that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, well I do now, but it's on, it's the reverse way where like if you're not a minority, then you're so apparently the next incarnation of, of devil, right? Like it's, you're the yeah. most horrible person in the world and it's insane. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, people are trying to find, these problems because like you look at the civil rights movement or whatever i'm like martin luther king came out and said it uh way back in in the and then was it 60s 70s whatever it was that's i shouldn't know it should be in the 60s and you know and whatever was uh whatever what was the freaking bill that was passed in the states uh the civil rights act or whatever anyways i can't can't remember maybe it's just called the civil rights act anyways you know abolishing all the different segregations and all yeah. that kind of stuff and it's, it's like, okay, well, the battle is pretty much, there's still going to be the racist individual, whatever, but people. like the battle was pretty much won, you know, and it's like, there's, you know, I can go anywhere I want. I can do anything I want. No one's bothering me because of the color of my skin, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then now, yeah, it's like this, just this constant outrage of trying to find something that's, that's just not there. But I guess if your life is so comfortable and you don't have anything that you can really attach to that has meaning, that gives you purpose and drive. Then if you just kind of invent something, you're going to latch onto it and people latch onto it because yes, this is my purpose. You know, now then what's, you know, I got to fight 
climate. You know, I'm the, I, I have to, I have to save the world. This is the most, like, calm, calm down. down. You know, get your own shit together first before you can even think about saving the world. That, these are complex issues, you know. They're not solved by just like, that's it. Everyone just drive electric cars and the world's going to be a better place. It's like, well, no, no, that's not how the world works. Anyways, this is getting maybe a little bit, a little bit. above that's and beyond okay. here, but being comfortable, I think, is a really big problem. I think it has led to this overcompensation of trying to fight these crazy injustices that like don't even exist. Well, because the thing is in countries that are developing countries where they're just really looking to survive, they don't have the same type of problems we have in the Western no, world. Like no. they don't have these first world problems. Not at all. They just need clean drinking water. Like the, that's their struggle. And the other thing too is, is if you, if you really want to help the world, as an example, this is totally getting off topic, but if you want to help the world in terms of, uh, climate change or whatever like we need to get people out of poverty because once you're out of poverty and you have you don't have to worry about where's my clean water going to come from where's my food going to come from where's my electricity yes or how i can heat my home whatever have energy to do what i need to do then you could start worrying about these things that can better like your environment or your community and all that kind of things absolutely but anyways but Nobody well, wants to think well, about the solutions that way, But right? it's that Maslow's hierarchy of need that we talked about with Ross Edgley, mm. right? But those basic needs need to be filled first. Yep. And for many pe- people, like, they're not. I'm te- we're, the kids and I are going through this right now in yep. our social studies. Yep. The next thing he talks about is the Misogi. So the Misogi is, it's a Japanese legend. I won't get into the legend. Read it in the book. It's interesting. Or sorry, it's a myth. And so the point of this is he <laughs> found legend myth. Yeah. So, well, legend myth anyway. He <laughs> he found this guy that does this misogi. He does a misogi once a year. And so the first rule of misogi is you don't talk about misogi. No. So <laughs> <laughs> Fight Club. Actually, actually, I, it, it is a rule. You don't oh, tell. You don't. You, you don't, don't advertise it. it. You don't advertise it on Instagram. You just kind of tell your close friends and your family. Yeah. It's no. 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 Like, hey, look at me. Look at me doing all this yeah, virtuous yeah. thing. No, no, as no, in, you, you're you tweeting do. it to make yourself no, look yeah, no, good. No, no, no. You do it for yourself. <laughs> right. Um. And so what it is is you do a challenge, and the challenge has to have a fifty percent chance that you're going to fail, and the stakes are high. And the other rule. The stakes are high. Like, what if you don't meet the challenge? You could something. You could something back. You could die. Well, I don't want to. So the second <laughs> rule of this is don't die. Wow. So for yeah. as one example, what they did, him and not the writer, but the guy he was talking to about doing this Misogi thing, him and his buddies, they got some like giant like rock thing and they put it at the bottom of some sort of harbor, like, and they would go down and pick this thing up and walk it like I had like 10 paces, then come back up. And then the next person would go down. The whole thing was they were going to move this big boulder across, across this whatever. harbor or bay or whatever. So it was like a weird kind of thing to do, but it was really difficult. And so the whole point is, is you come back, you do something that's really hard that you don't think you're going to be able to do, right. but you dig deep and you find what you're capable of. Yeah. And the thing is, is in our societies, we've lost this type of rite of passage to show right. that you can go out and do hard things and come back and become like a productive member of society. So, so many like across cultures, they have these rites of passage, these quests, these vision quests, whatever. And we don't have that anymore. We're not testing ourselves like that everymore. Hmm. I don't anymore. know if we ever had it. 
Well, maybe not (laughs) this culture, but like many different cultures have had these rites of passage, this hero's journey, right? Mm. Where you have this call to adventure and it's really hard and then you come back and you feel It's like the the movie, um, I mean, this is a movie, but the movie 300, where at the beginning, the guy, he's the king and to go out, he just out to the whatever, to the to the wild and you know if you come back and survive after seven days then exactly. you're king or whatever or if you don't then i guess you, you died and you weren't fit to rule or what have you mm-hmm. and there's another remember the movie captain fantastic and this yes. is it's interesting so do you think that we should have something where like you know men have to do something or boys have to do something and then then you're declared like a man versus or like a same thing a woman you have to do a certain thing then then you're a woman because you know, there's certain tribes in the Amazon where they have to put their hands in the bullet yeah, kind exactly. of thing. Yeah. Or in, in the movie Captain Fantastic, it's like they go hunting they and then they, he has to kill the deer. Yeah. Or maybe that's his first kill all alone. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. whatever, right? Or like, you know, you have to go on a hunt and, and do something. And I remember re- reading uh, Roots and mm-hmm. I can't remember what it is that they have to do, but they have to do something or whatever to prove oh, that they were, they so were many, they There's were so a many man, different right? ones. And the thing is, is like it's it's cross-cultural. And so what's incredible about it is it's like it's arisen independently in so many cultures. So you yeah. know it's very important. And so, yeah, I think there probably should be. I think for women it's a little bit different because we naturally go through the rite of passage by going through... Um, having our first periods. Let me tell you how bad that is, right? Like that's kind of your initiation into womanhood, right? I so guess. We well, have men still that. have, you know, puberty as well too. Sure, but like <laughs> I would argue it's it's not the same. Plus we have like, yeah. anyway. And yeah, sure. I don't get into the minutiae. We won't get into yeah. it. But the point is, is like we don't have that now and you see like these increased levels of depression and anxiety in kids because they don't know what they're capable of. Mm. And they don't know, everything seems hard and there's like no resilience because they haven't been tested and they don't know what they're capable of. And a lot of, I mean, this is also really relevant to to men nowadays because so many men have no purpose and whatever. And like, why is a guy like Jordan Peterson so popular? Mm -hmm. Because he generally tries to reach out to, I mean, talks to anybody and does reach women, but his, his message really resonates with young men because they see society that they feel like they have no place in it of and no course. purpose in of it. of course and he does he, his whole thing is to give that purpose back to back to men right yeah. uh, and especially young men and that's it's a, it's a great thing it's too bad he gets some of the hate that he gets it just gets people they don't want to hear this. they don't listen they don't listen because so it's it's just like david goggins they don't want to look in that accountability mirror they don't want to be told they're fat they don't want to be told they're lazy they don't want to hear the truth oh i just mean hard. no i just even mean people that just don't like him or think that he's some kind of crazy well because whatever I, I, right I, I, think, I'm just saying. I think people that say that just don't they haven't read his book they well that's what i mean that, that's what i mean right exactly like yeah. his whole his whole idea i mean he's a psychologist his yeah. whole thing is to help people yeah, exactly. get through hard times tough times right yeah. like that's his kind yeah. of mission in life right so yeah um anyways but yeah it all stems from this whole thing of just yeah comfort and comfort and meaning it's almost like yeah. it's almost like it's not it's not the same thing obviously but by by having some kind of task ahead of you that is difficult mm-hmm. it almost helps you define your meaning and, and and your purpose like i'm just thinking for for me right now like i took the, we took this thing risk of quitting my job and whatever and it's not comfortable because there's I yeah. it's like I'm talking to some people some people would not most people would not do what we do without having like oh I need to have at least uh, five oh, years of, of, of extra money of I'm like yeah, six to nine months and that's it <laughs> get the shit together other you know like otherwise yeah. you know we'll back to work or whatever right so it's you. like you gotta that discomfort 
is like such a drive to like, okay, well, every day I got to do something, you know, have to push the rock forward a little bit or, or else I'm, you know, or else I'm going to drown kind of thing. Right. So. Yeah. And I think even just like doing a hard workout every day. And that's why like, I like to get my workout in the morning because I know nothing else like I'm going to do, well, hopefully nothing else I'm going to do, <laughs> do yeah. in a day is going to be harder than that workout. I've pushed myself. I know I push myself hard and then the rest of the day feels yeah. easy to me. But even then, even if you're just starting as well too, it's, oh, it's not like you have to go and kill yourself. Like if we're going to no, give advice to somebody, uh, especially if you're like, oh, you know, I weigh 350 pounds and what the hell, I can't just go and run 20 miles. Like do what's good for you. Just wake up and show up. Yeah. You know, even for you, maybe just walking, you know, one kilometer or half a kilometer 10 minutes is good minutes. Is, is good for you and that's yeah. like a huge thing and you're sweating or whatever that's then awesome. that's great that's awesome then get get at whatever it is for you and don't listen to anybody in terms of you have to do this after that no you know what's good it's for you, you know what's on the are. inside yeah. yeah and um and go from there challenge yourself and what makes sense and for the, you the thing is is like it even improves like your like the myelination of your neurons in your brain Myelination. Myelination. You're using so, too many big words. I don't understand. So myelination is the connections and like the, I think it's the insulation over your neurons, and so it helps the connectivity of your brain. So it improves brain power, and so it just improves brain performance across the board, sure. and it protects you against Alzheimer's yeah. and dementia, all those things. So being able to know that you're doing hard things, right. like it even Keeps helps with working. that, right? So yeah. it's really important. Which there was. Uh, it's too bad didn't we this is totally off topic but we were talking a few quite a few podcasts ago about the whole was it alzheimer's or parkinson research being all kind of garbage for the yeah Yeah. it's too bad because there was just a couple days ago michael j fox and christopher lloyd was like some kind of comic-con for back to the future reunion and it's i mean those guys are just amazing and of course michael j fox is just parkinson it's just like i know it's so sad can we Find a cure here. We get on this. It's I just know. yeah, it's so sad to see. But anyways, yeah. The, but these brain diseases are just something that's so terrifying. And um, but yeah, it's like does things like this is the idea that if you keep busy and keep active, is it proven that it will help your brain stave off from at least Alzheimer's? Anyways, yes. Obviously Parkinson's. I think that's genetic. Where I don't know enough about Parkinson's to be honest, but but yeah, hundred percent. The research so shows it helps. It's protective. It Even though whatever the hell that research was false, yep, that was just because that was more about drugs. Yeah, yeah. Per se, right? So basically, well, it's more about etiology, like how it happens. Right. So, so but just using your brain. So yeah. if you don't use it, you lose, you lose it. it. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, so his Misogi in the book is this guy. Yeah, yeah, he goes to and he weaves this story throughout the book. But his Misogi, I'll just tell you about. You, I'll just tell you about it right now. He goes with the same hunter that he went with in Nevada. He goes with him way up into the Arctic in Alaska for a caribou hunt. And so he's there for 33 days. They have to take like, I don't know how many planes <laughs> to fly into Alaska for this caribou hunt. And oh, because so they fly into Alaska, then they're going all the way up to yeah. So wherever. as he's on this trip. He weaves the story of this trip throughout his book and all mm. of the discomforts that he faces on this trip and why it's important. Like I always said, where are you going to poop? Where are you pooping up there? <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. The next thing he talks about, I won't get, we won't get too into it because there's other things that are a bit more important, but I did want to hit on this one was he talks about rur- rural areas <laughs> versus urban areas mm-hmm. and how people who live in cities are 21% more likely to suffer from anxiety and 39% more likely to suffer from depression than people who live in rural areas. So the point is 
being out in nature is really important. One thing that was really mm-hmm. interesting is back in the 80s, um, Japan created these this nature-based wellness program called forest bathing. That's where this comes forest from. Forest bathing? Yeah, bathing. Bathing. Okay, bathing. Okay. So you go out, you walk around. They found that after only 15 minutes of being in nature, walking around in a forest or a park, whatever, didn't matter, your blood pressure and heart rate and stress hormones all decreased after only 15 minutes. Yeah. Like it's unfreaking real to me. Yeah. Well, how do you feel when you go out there and it's like, oh, it's a nice day. You hear the waves of the water or whatever it is. Yeah. Hear the birds. It, it's incredible. And so he also talks about the difference between being lonely and being bored. No, we'll, we're boredom's next. But being lonely and just being in solitude. And I forget, Mm. we did talk about this in another one, but there's so many negative effects of being lonely. lonely. And there's there's whole books actually written about it and so many studies showing how bad it is to be like... Because lonely is not having actual physical connection or any emotional connection with other humans. Yes. Yeah. And so so, I think we've talked about this before. It even decreases your immune system. It depresses it. And so what does this say about the lockdowns? That's what I was just going to say. Like lockdowns, what's... one of the best things that you can have in terms of your immune system and your overall health is to be social and to be with other people. Yeah. And then so I was like, what do you do? What do we do? Let's just lock everyone down. You can't see anybody. It's like, okay. Just making people more susceptible to the thing you're supposed to protect them from, right? So I don't know why any of that stuff's in quotations there, but uh, (laughs) um, yeah. But And so we're social animals. We need to have interactions with our fellow humans. One of the main... um, punishments we give to prisoners is solitary confinement. It's the worst oh, punishment we you can give I'm someone not, is solitary I'm confinement. I'm not going to even get into the whole well, prison of course, system. Of but I'm that, just that saying that's the, that's the punishment. Right? right. Oh, yeah. The worst thing sure. you can do to someone. But like the cities too, the way that are structured, it's like everyone's so busy, like go walk around downtown somewhere and you're just like, yeah, some people might say hello, but it's generally nobody talking to each other. Their heads are down on the phones, whatever it is. And there's no sense of community at all. You don't know anybody. And, but you know, if you're in a rural place or a small place, you're just walking around. People seem they're much more friendly, much more ready to interact oh, with you. Yeah. And it's just, it's just such a different thing when it's you're living in the city. Even us, vibe. we're living in this apartment building. I know. And maybe this is on us too. But we like don't even know anybody. Yeah. Because you're everyone's just doing their own. Just, well, they're living co- in your yeah. own. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, it's yeah, like yeah. I said, maybe that's a little bit different, right? Yeah. But, but for the most part, you know, you have a lot of people, but at the same time, it, there's no connection. Alone. There's no connection. Yeah. The next thing you talk about. Or the connections are superficial. Yeah. Like, look at Tinder now. I don't want to know what it'd be like to date now. Just swiping this and that. I and it's just, no thanks. everything is just so superficial. We're just never getting divorced. So you're aware. Well, never say never. <laughs> it's the way, the way it is. <laughs> the next thing he talks about is, bored, oh. is boredom. And so he says boredom was pronounced dead. And he gives the date that the first iPhone came out. I don't know what mm-hmm. date it was. And so... Um, I think this is really important and I talk, I think about boredom actually quite a bit and the kids are often bored. We're really strict with screens with them. I let them be bored if they're bored all the time. I, if they yeah, come they just go on, they figure it out and they though, figure right? it out. And that's the point of being bored. He talks to, um, he talks to actually a scientist at university of Waterloo, mm, which, which is our former, um, his name is James Denkert mm. and what department? 
Mm. Well, I guess I'll find out when you tell me what that is. Or it's study. in brain, like brain something. Also, kinesiology, maybe. I think it. Uh, yeah, I think it was in kine- in kinesiology. And so basically, he's talking about how important it is this boredom is for our brain, this like unfocused portion of our brain, and like how important it is. And so when we're on our phones like all the time, we're overworking our brains, we're overstimulating our brains, and it makes us like makes people picky and impatient and distracted. And I think this is the one thing that I have observed and seen about people. If you're waiting in line for something or you have to wait like at the grocery store or something, people get pissed. No, but people get pissed off so fast if they have to wait at all for anything. And it's just like, this is what like we're in this. Is that like, we're talking about establishing that new baseline, right? Where we're not, we don't wait anymore. You get to Amazon. It's got to be delivered right away yeah and you know all that stuff and they've talked about not only is it important just to like let our br- our brains wander and just kind of like just explore your, just explore your own because like, <laughs> your own but like even it's like the best ideas i have are when i'm in the shower just like well, everyone talks brain. about that <laughs> everyone the, talks the shower about the, the shower, shower ideas yeah they're the best ones is because you're just letting your brain be f- be free I'm gonna make some rude comment. shower comments probably but, uh, so it's like i don't do any thinking in the shower anyways <laughs> we all know what you do in the shower anyway <laughs> hey now hey now we're, st- we're live by the way anyway but he talks about this study that was actually done in in 1958 and he was looking at kids that were like the ones that were kind of like the bad kids and sorry um, what year is this 1988 1958 58 sorry okay. yeah so the kids with so sorry it was the kids with like ton of energy so they had ton of energy they had all of these big ideas and what's a better predictor of students like outcome and accomplishments mm-hmm. is not their iq scores but it's their creativity yeah so it's so important to have that boredom so yeah anything. well you're saying it's important to have the boredom because boredom sparks creativity yeah, of course or it does. sparks some type of creative or creative or original thought in order to get yourself out of that boredom yes. to keep your mind occupied on something that'll actually yeah you can have something you can yeah. hang on to or whatever he right? even talks about like how it was it's like evolutionarily um important as well so imagine like you are a hunter-gatherer and everything's problem solving absolutely sorry i totally interrupted you're a hunter-gatherer and you're gathering these berries on a bush and you've kind of there's there's two different hunter-gatherers so the first one there's two. The first one. <laughs> the first one is picking the berries. He picks like all like the ones that are like easy to get and then he just kind of gets bored. And so he stops and then he goes to another bush and gets all the big ones. And so you're, you're pretty fast to fill your basket because you're going and you're getting all the easy to pick fruit, right? But then you have guess, yeah. but then you have this other guy who doesn't get bored. And so he's spending all this time. He's picked all the easy ones and he's spending all this time like looking and trying to find. So it takes him longer to pick as much as the first guy because he's, he's not going bush to bush to bush getting all the easy ones. He's okay. trying to find for the hard looking ones. He doesn't get bored. Right. As the first guy would, so it's in, and there was other examples. But that's not as, as good well. though, because the guy who was bored and moved on faster finished his task faster. Exactly. So the guy who was bored, you mean? Yeah, the guy that did get bored. Yeah. So being bored forces you. Oh, so, it's, right? so you're saying it's a good thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, like, of how does this yeah. prove your point? Because it's yeah. the opposite. Because the guy is still legging around. Yeah. But so guy who's not bored. So you're saying that guy who's not bored is taking their time. They're not as creative. Well, I'm no, I'm saying about how it's evolutionarily how boredom has helped us. Can maybe help you. Has yeah. helped us as a species. That's what I'm trying to mm. get at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
All so, right. Cool, cool. Yeah. And even like with the kids, right? It forces them to be creative. You know, you see yeah. they don't have screens. We don't have super interactive toys. We have toys where you have to use your imagination well, to like play Legos with. Legos is kind of the only thing like we Legos, have. Legos, like stuffies, right? And they have, so we're forcing them to use their creativity. Otherwise, they're just going to be bored all day. So you have to be creative and make right. up things and do your stuff. So it's yep. really important. Yep. The next thing he talks about is one of my favorites, and it's nutrition. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, um, well, the one thing he talks about was like a lot of his conversations when they were out hunting <laughs> revolved around food. And it was yeah, like, because oh. they're probably so hungry. Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> were they only eating what they would catch? Uh, yeah, and they brought a bunch. And they it took them a long time to get. Um, like a caribou? <laughs> yeah, it took well, them a long time. They think about hunting, I was like. That's got to be hard. Like, especially if you just have, like, bow and arrow. Were they, what were they doing? Were they, did they have guns, though? They or? were using guns on this one. Yeah. They were using guns. But even still, yeah. to, like, sneak up on something, to get close enough to even shoot it. Yeah. Like, imagine, like, you know, we when we were out camping, we're always worried about bears or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, good luck trying to find one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you actually want to, like, if you're hunting one, you know, like, because they can smell you and hear you from so far away. And then you just, you're like, nope. <laughs> no, no humans oh, yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, but it just reminded me of our trip because all of our conversations when we were portaging oh, they're all revolved food. around food. Well, that's because everyone was <laughs> we so... Were so like, well, you guys were... I was... I was, oh, I was me so and Maya talked all about cheeseburgers <laughs> for one, like, whole, yeah. like, <laughs> Talking about cheeseburgers, we're to have to have one right now after I this. Know. I know. So the one thing he Little talk- comfort food. <laughs> I see what you did see there. there. I see what you did there. So he talks to, so he talks about like how 70% of the U.S. population, this is a staggering, staggering stat, 70% of the U.S. population is overweight or obese. Like it's that's 70%, 70% now? Like no. that is, is yeah, that, yeah. Is that yeah. high? It's that high. Because I remember, wasn't it like 50% or 40% in, know. uh, what's the, it's what's the unreal. movie? The Super Size Me? Yeah. Well, that was how many years ago now? Uh, I was like 20 years old. That's, is it that old? I don't know. I guess we're old too. We are old. Yeah. Um, 70%. But like no wonder, I guess, yeah. on the top of fitness magazines are people that are not fit. <laughs> you know, like, or like the swimsuit edition where it's like. You're going to trigger me, man. Yeah. It's not, uh, <laughs> it's not what I like to uh, look at in a swimsuit edition, if he you know what I mean. But hey, whatever. He hey, hey, everyone's got their own whatever things, but. Again, I have a big problems when things are flaunted off as healthy when they're not healthy. Like, come mm-hmm. on, let's just not kid ourselves here, people. You know, mm-hmm. let's be real. He talks about his problems with nutritionists, and I identified with this so hard because I think so many nutritionists, it's just bullshit, and they're just pushing, pushing yep. stuff. And so his three main problems, which I one million percent agree with for the most part, I'm sure there's good nutritionists out there. However. <laughs> but- I don't know you. (laughs) (laughs) He says the nutritionists don't deeply grasp the biological underpinnings and are too busy pushing a fad diet. Mm. 100%. Number two, because they're, especially the Instagram ones, they're always trying to sell you some sort of supplement. Of course they are. Some supplement or like a band. Yeah. Just do this band and do some squats when you're with a band. Yeah. uh, So the second thing (laughs) is, he says, and... We should talk about David, uh, Dr. Jason Fung, because he talks about this as well. We need to have a podcast specifically probably dedicated oh i think we we did way back in the day i think yeah back in the day but yeah. we should do another one yeah. he says they they say that people that don't follow their restrictive and complicated meal plans are lazy not the case mm. i don't think so Doc, dr funk talks about this as well these people try so hard but they're just set up for failure because these diets are such bullshit yep. so then the third thing he says is yeah and then they receive funding from the industry from oh of course whatever they are. it is of course yeah. they are 
wasn't he, I think I think Dr. Fung pointed this out was that the real decline I think he's, he's Canadian I think the, Canadian. the decline in the Canadian diet mm-hmm. happened the same year that the Canada released that food guide that you remember us the yes. us old people at school <laughs> with the rainbow, rainbow where it's all the grains at the bottom and then it's the well then you have their vegetables then it's the meat yeah and then what was the last one there's another there's the four of them Grains. Yeah, grains is the one we have to have twelve servings. Yeah, grains. Or the, the vegetables. Meat and alternatives. Yeah. Dairy and vegetables. Oh, I said vegetables. Vegetables, grains. Fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables, grains. Dairy. Dairy. Oh, meat. dairy and meat. meat okay, so dairy was different than the meat one. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like you have all these, and it's like three meals a day or whatever, and then like everyone's just getting fat because they're just eating processed junk or whatever. Exactly. Especially with the grains. Especially with dairy. <laughs> Nobody needs dairy. No. Yeah. Except for cheese. You don't need it. No, of course he you don't need it. He <laughs> talks to a PhD, and this PhD guy's um, story, his name's Trevor Cashy. His story is actually really interesting, so I like read the book. But it, um, he has a really interesting approach to, well, he has just a common sense approach to nutrition. And he's mm-hmm. worked with like any elite athlete from anything, SEALs, sports teams. He helped the Olympic tw- the Olympic team in 2016 win 16 medals with his nutrition approaches. And it's so simple. It's like obvious. But his whole point is he says like, I believe people should be doing less and eliminating limiters to their product, their progress. So it's not about like, don't eat this and trying to implement all these new things. It's like, well, He's like, well, why are you eating what you're eating? Like, let's mm. look at that question first. And then let's, then his main thing is, is he makes people weigh and like track their food because that's the biggest thing is people completely underestimate what they're eating, how much they're eating. Or how much they're eating. Yeah, if yeah. you take a thing, a spoonful of peanut butter, I guarantee you that spoonful is like at least two tablespoons, not one tablespoon that you're tracking in your MyFitnessPal every single time. And I'm guilty of it too, because peanut butter is so freaking good. Yeah. You know, you're having what's that tablespoon you put in there is you're grabbing yeah. way more. Peanut butter is not such a bad example because it's not that bad for you. At least the ones, well, if you make your own peanut butter, then it's perfect. But it's got a lot of sugar in it too. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, so yeah, he, so he says, I would much rather address the question, why are you eating versus eat this food at this time? Right. Because it's a deeper, it's a deeper question well, of why are you eating what you're eating at that time? So it's like, not only why, why are you eating, but like when almost like, or, or, or yeah. is it like, cause I know for me, like I have a problem when ever I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing or whatever. I feel like I, I can go for food comfort a lot of people use food for comfort yeah a lot of people yeah so is that the kind of question he wants to yes. tackle it's like yes okay it's well why are you why are you eating this type of ice cream right now yeah but i mean even if you know the answer mm-hmm. it's still difficult to stop it's like difficult. the guy was saying addiction at the beginning it's like mm-hmm. i asked you kind of how long he's been drinking for like how hard was it for him to, to stop it sounds like it was hard, right? And yes, same thing with of course. A food is an addiction, just like a of like course. alcohol, right? But I think once you come, a, once you become aware of it, it's that bringing right. that awareness to it. I think is really at least really, it's out in the open. It's out in the open. Yeah. And it's important. And he says that the people that he was training, it's like the people that are at a consistently healthy weight, they don't have better genetics or a faster metabolism. They just have better coping mechanisms, mm, right. right? They're able to instead of going to stress eat they'll go for a walk right and so or hit the punching bag exactly. or go for a run or exactly and so when it's all about changing your behaviors mm-hmm. and 
which is why a lot of the stuff comes together with habits of what you're talking exactly. about like l- learning learning what your behaviors are your bad ones and learning the tools you need to actually be able to instill better habits yeah, yeah. and the one thing i loved this is just a little bit of an aside but he says he, he's he doesn't really like this whole people using like, oh, I just have fat genes. This is just my genetic people makeup. People say that? Oh, yeah, of course they do. Really? Of course they do. Huh. Um, and he's just like, I don't like this as an excuse. And whether you think it's a genetic thing or not, it doesn't matter. We're going to do the same thing with you regardless. It doesn't change kind of like, quote unquote, the treatment plan for someone no. that's overweight, right? You're still going to have to figure out what you want to eat. Yeah. And the other thing is he, he gives people kind of like, well, this is like your... It's like the, if it fits in your macros, right? He gives you, this is how many calories, you know, this is your bank account, this is what you get to eat in a day. And so, yeah, you, sure, you can choose to have like a chocolate bar, you can choose to have like a big bowl of strawberries. Which one is going to keep you full longer and which is going to keep mm-hmm. you more satisfied? You know what but I there's mean? There's also the thing too of, maybe this is getting too much in the weeds, but like, 200 calories of chocolate bar is not the same as 200 calories of strawberries. Well, no, of course not. That's the point, right? Right. That's the point when you're trying to fit it in your bank account. You have to eat a whole lot more strawberries, which is going to keep you feeling full longer. Right. That's the point. But I just mean in terms of of health, right? Like, what is it that a calorie is a calorie, but actually cut it not really because you have to, there's so many other factors, right? Like. Yeah, you can't just look at it in, in a silo like that. Right. So right. he does talk about fasting as well. And just people just being comfortable with being hungry, being comfortable yeah. with that discomfort. And like, you're not going to die. Well, the hunger, the hunger comes and goes. And right. I don't think people like he talks like the people he was helping, like they didn't even realize, oh, I'm not going to die if I'm hungry. And it's like, oh, my God, you <laughs> cannot eat for days and days and days and be just fine. Yeah. Well, you got to be careful. Some people can get into comas or whatever, but. Yeah, if yeah. But f- your blood sugar or whatever, but yeah, yes. Yeah, of course, Gener- of course. That's the purpose of fat. But I'm just saying you miss a meal and you feel hungry. You miss two meals. Like you're oh, yeah, going yeah. No, no, to be fine. Like that hunger discomfort is like yeah. you're okay and it's actually, it's like it's good for you. So yeah. yeah. But we're designed that way. Exactly. Yeah. The next thing he talks about, because they do eventually kill a caribou and he's the one to take the shot. He really like debated with himself whether he was going to take the shot and actually kill because he was like he's like like i'm a journalist i didn't know as a journalist you're supposed to be the observer right and not like the participant in it i thought he went hunting before i guess he didn't kill he wasn't killing no no no, no, on the first one in the second one when he went to alaska and so he did and it was really like kind of transformative for him so he thought a lot about death and he eventually goes to bhutan and i'm not sure why he chose bhutan i don't he doesn't get in Maybe he does, but Where's I don't that? remember. Um, I think Bhutan is in like Southeast Asia, okay. somewhere around there. And so they are, even though they are ranked 130 f- 134th on the list of most developed nations, I think out of 150, um, they're among the world's 20th happiest, 20 yeah. happiest countries. Yeah, it's not about money or possessions. No, and so it's about connection. They have, they yeah. even have like a minister of happiness in Bhutan. Right. Isn't that in the movie Happy? I don't remember, but mm. yeah, they have a minister of happiness. And so, but they also have, they have no debt. Most people don't have any debt there, which obviously is really important for happiness. But they also, death is a huge part of their culture. And he was even saying, so he was recently on Peter Atia's podcast. I just listened to it. He was I'm even, sorry, this guy? This or? guy, okay. yeah, yeah. So he was saying when he went to Bhutan, like they have these like little 
almost like they almost remind me like maybe like like little anookshooks that you see all the time when you're driving on the highway in northern ontario mm -hmm. but all over the place they have these like little kind of clay statues that have mixed in at like ashes of someone who's cremated so that idea of death is with them all the time like mm -hmm. their funerals last like 21 days or something like that they're always being they're supposed to think about death three times a day Think about it in the sense of you're it's gonna go die. It's gonna happen. So therefore, live every life, live every moment to its fullest. Is that the? I think so. Well, he, one of the philosophers, it says, if I take death into my life, acknowledge it, and face it squarely, I will free myself from the anxiety of death and the pettiness of life, and only then will I be free to become myself. Mm -hmm. It is true, though, to to think about impending doom. Like if you knew if you yeah. knew when you were gonna die or whatever, like. Would you be doing what you're doing right now? Is, is this exactly. is this what's going to make you happy? Is this going to be the thing that yeah. that you want to spend your last your last moments with? We've talked about this so many times about the the lure of near death experiences that people yes. have and how it makes their life so sweet, like the moments after, like moments uh, a week or two or whatever, and then they talk about how it fades. And then, okay, well, now I'm back to paying my bills. Now I'm back to going to the daily grind and taking the subway, going to work and whatever. Like it fades and they want to have it back yeah. so bad to get that like jolt of life. Um, so, yeah, it's the same kind. Of, and I think that's the same kind of thing in terms of trying to maybe not have a near-death experience, but make your, if you're constantly thinking about it, then yeah. it's always in your mind to be like, you know what? Yeah, I am going to die. I need to make this moment count because... Yep. Death could come knocking on my door tomorrow, so I'm going to make today the best day that I can. Well, and it also reminds me of... Don't sweat the small stuff. It reminds me of like with Jewel. Again, I'll go back to oh, that right. moment, right? Yeah. And that idea of impermanence and nothing's permanent. Even if you're going through difficult times, it's not going to last forever. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with life. It's not going to last forever. Or the grand scheme of things what's important what's important and he talks to a buddhist thinker and this buddhist thinker says when you start to understand that death is coming you see things differently you change your mental course and you naturally become more compassionate and mindful mm. and i think that's 100 percent true because we're all we're all mortal like and it makes you i think a kinder person to think to think about that mm -hmm. so and uh, yeah and it definitely changes your course in your life and how do you want to be remembered do you want to be remembered as the dickhead that yelled at the cashier in the checkout line because you can't yeah <laughs> are you talking about that target guy with that toothbrush guy what that no, what's that guy's I name know. i don't know oh i don't know he 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 saw sorry <laughs> he saw like a tooth an oral b toothbrush like an electric one so like mm -hmm. a good one it had the uh, he took a picture of it and it had a thing it said display on it but zero one cent oh. and he took it to the target the cashier he's like I want this oh, for free. Geez. This is the law or whatever. And he was like berating her yeah. on yeah. Instagram. And of course he got roasted and then people pulled together and, and donated like a GoFundMe for $30,000 to this, to this lady. And he took like an unflattering picture of her. her half oh, of her eye was closed awful. in the middle of explaining. Cause he's like, no, I'm not going to give this to you. And he could for like a penny. Cause yeah. this is like a hundred dollar yeah. toothbrush. And yeah. it's like, it says display. And he's like, this is the law. And he's like, I'm going to put it. And it's like, and people are like, ah, it's actually not the law. It's only if it's like, up to a certain amount and all oh, obviously okay. if it's yeah. not like yeah. clearly uh, an error anyways so but yeah don't don't be that guy <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was in the news again tweeting berating somebody on twitter oh because someone said something there i'm teaching my kids like history right they're all about columbus and he didn't agree with it and he's like i'm gonna call child protective services and he's like he's literally showing tweets of his phone and how long he's on the line for 
oh, to child protective this guy services. Needs to go get and, laid or and something. And we were like, it was like over like an hour or like an hour. Oh. And people are like, yeah, good job actually taking up the time for yeah. people that actually, actually need, need to it. get kids out of situations yeah. where they're getting beaten or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here you are because you don't it's agree a, with how someone's teaching their kids. Yeah. You're going to call that yeah. because they're teaching them about Christopher Columbus or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it. But this is the thing. It goes back that, to that, that's, finding problems yeah, when there is no problem. Like, this is this is like, my this is like this is my cause. I gotta yeah. put up this mantle of yeah. No, it's this is what my life is, right? And of course, yeah. you know. Anyways, yeah. It's, it's so he he talks to. I'm not sure who it is he talks to when he's in Bhutan, but the guy says it's like the difference between their life in Bhutan and their um outlook and like the western outlook and he says you act like life is fulfilling a checklist um i get a husband a car a good house a promotion i get a better car a better house and i make a name for myself and it's like but this plan will never materialize perfectly and even if it does then what you don't settle you add more items no, there's checklist. always a better car there's yeah. always a better house there's always yeah. a better husband yeah <laughs> No, there's none. Oh, you're too kind. Um, but no, that's the the minimalist guys talk yeah. about that all the time. It's yeah. like I was just consumed by the it always has to be better, always has to be more. There's always the next promotion. It's like, and people have this mindset: if I only had this, then I would be happy. It's like you're never going to be happy with that thing because you're not chasing the right things. Yeah, hundred percent. But that's what we're conditioned. It's like keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, I gotta feel like I need to have this to. To, to feel like I'm fitting in, right? Or, uh, well, I need to have that car because that car shows a certain status or whatever. And it's like, doesn't make all that happy. stuff is bullshit. It doesn't, and doesn't mean anything. And, and so is that, I mean, going back to death then too, like you can't take it with you and no one's going to say, oh yeah, that guy had so many nice cars. No, people are going to remember like, were you a that, nice person? That guy was an asshole to me. Yeah, like that's, people aren't going to come to your room because you had like a Porsche or something. Like people are going to come to your room because you were just a good person and they're yep. going to miss you. Exactly. And yeah. that you brought value to their lives. Exactly. Not a Ferrari. Yep. So. Unless you bring value to my life by giving me a Ferrari, then I will come <laughs> to your funeral. <laughs> but even then you're not going to know. So I probably won't. So if anybody <laughs> out there wants to get me a Ferrari, I am accepting them. <laughs> just FYI. I will come to your funeral. I'll RSVP. Yeah, I will RSVP to, to your, your funeral. funeral. <laughs> no matter where in the world, as long as I can drive really fast to it. <laughs> so the next thing he talks about is exercise. And he talks about in the mid-1990s, um, anyone who is a runner is going to know this guy's name. Richard Simmons. No. Sweat into the oldies. No. Timothy Noakes, he wrote the book Born to Run about how the fact that we are born to run. Mm. It's actually one book I haven't read about running. I was going to say, I'm like, oh, you've read this one, no, obviously. No, I haven't. No, I haven't, actually. Huh. I, it's, on my, it's on my very long list of books. You right. don't want to see my very long list. So... The thing is, is like, not only are we born to run, if you look at traditional hunter-gatherer tribes. Born to climb, too. We're born to carry because, and this is something he talks about when he's on his hunt, you have to run or walk to find the animals. Not only that, in a lot of these, um, back in the day, we we can outrun and outmove animals. That's just how we are built. We're not built like any other animal in that sense. We're really good at... Um, what is the word temperature control in our bodies and so we can go for really long distances and maintain our body temperature whereas something like an antelope cannot and they tire out quickly and they can't manage their body temperature like we can so basically you'll run them down that's how we can yeah. touch them is by running them like outrunning them like endurance wise not yeah. speed but, ever, I, but i mean but well yeah because i mean those 
animals can run real fast, right? Except for like, I think there's one guy that can run faster. This might be Usain Bolt. <laughs> That's about <laughs> it. He's leaving everybody to death. But now you can only do that for like yeah. a couple hundred meters. There's, there, is but, a, there is a tribe out there that does. And I've actually, I've listened to another podcast about it, about this guy who like embedded with this tribe. And that's what they did. They yeah. just ran like, like ultra marathons all day no, no, trying to uh, run down this. No, I, I was going to say, because yeah, humans can run for like hours and hours or you know, even days almost or whatever. Um, yeah. Especially for condition to it. So yeah. it makes sense if other animals yeah. can't run that long, but they can run fast. Right. Yeah. So then, yeah, but they get tired. You see that too with other predators and preys where yeah, they'll just run them down. They'll run and it's like, Oh, Tire well, them out. and then the one just like stops. It's like, you're going to die. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. But yeah, but they literally can't. Then the other yeah. thing that we're born to do is to carry because then what do you have to do once you run down your kill? You got to carry it back to camp. <laughs> run all the way back to so camp. we're again, we're one of the only animal. We are one of the, we are the only animal that like carries, carries our shit and like carries our, whatever we like kill we carry it back to where it goes so well, other animals will bring it back to their den or whatever if they kill they make a kill or whatever right maybe they, they bring, bring it back, back to they the don't, babies or whatever they don't they don't carry it well i guess I'm just how you define it with your hands even well, other primates don't carry like we carry we're okay. built for it all right so what kind of carry then is it is it more of a is it over the shoulder carry on the head or you know like whatever, a boulder whatever type of carry that's because I, I think there's a lot of people that do functional old school type of workouts where they'll go into just go into the forest and like pick up logs and whatever like you know are you carrying the tires yeah yeah, are you carrying the logs on your shoulder or are you like a big boulder and you're walking around whatever you can do that's what we're built for one interesting thing is he says the brain uses the unpleasant but illusory sensations of fatigue to pump the brain the body's brakes well before a person become becomes close to real physical exhaustion well that's at 40 percent that that's what i have about, right? that's exactly what i have written goggins 40 percent rule and that's right. what it is right our brain get our uh, so then why is that if we're why is that to protect to protect our, our physiology to protect ourselves right so that we don't injure ourselves inadvertently by going over i think that's probably what it would be even though we can go over because like that again like if you're hunting guess. for your food and you're like 10 minutes in you're like oh I can't, you know, I'm too tired. You're not going to be able to go for days because you're going to, you're going to hit that wall, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. So. I don't know. Yeah. So he talks a lot to, um, he ends up getting, meeting up with this guy who has this company called Go Ruck. And so this is the new thing. And right. this is what I was telling you about why here I'm kind of into this. Here this go. is where this comes from. Go. Yes. <laughs> is so now people are getting into rucking and this armies force. They've been the that for forever. Been, beginning of time have rucked because it's important. And even if you look at the stats of um, injuries in like the armed forces, whatever it is, there's more injuries when soldiers run versus when they ruck. And even by rucking, it's so good for you because you're forcing so maybe define it a little bit what rucking so is. so wrecking is you're just you're carrying a load like wherever it is you're carrying a load and you're going for like, but like on a, a backpack walk. basically yeah on a backpack and you have like like a, a hip strap you strap in and you just put a weight in and you 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 walk as fast as you can yeah or you just walk whatever it is too sometimes but yeah yeah but no it's more rucking is more of it's a it's a fast walk yeah so and but like it builds your your cardiovascular system it builds that up and obviously it's you're having to all your whole your whole core is working. If you're going mm. uphill or downhill, you're working your quads. Like it works everything, yep. and so it's so important um, 
it's just so important to do. So and cool. so that's the new thing now. That's my new thing is rucking. So, um, yeah. But that's different than how hunter gatherers used to carry because they never had backpacks. They didn't have backpacks, but I mean, it's still, um, it's still carrying a load, just <laughs> regardless of what yeah, you're because you're not physically it. carrying it with your arms yeah. or whatever. But yeah, but I mean, I guess if you're putting something on your shoulders, it's kind of the same. That's just that's very uncomfortable <laughs> when yeah. you're like carrying a log on your shoulder. But the the one the one study he quotes in here, um, it's it, this study freaking blew me away. It blew the researchers away, and they did not think this was right, and they had to go back and look at and the, reinvestigate the data. The data. Yeah, because yeah. it's so crazy. So they compared um a group. They had a group of people that were pre-diabetic and so they gave some people metformin which is like first line of defense if you're pre-diabetic it's the first thing they're going to prescribe just you some, some drug. It's just a pill it's just a pill sure and or they were prescribed just 50 minutes a day 50 minutes a day go for a walk that's it a walk even just like walk. a light walk light walk 50 minutes a day just go no i, I know exactly after three just 15 minutes like that's it and they're just like oh that's not gonna do anything this is ridiculous after three years the first group reduced their incidence of diabetes by 31 percent. that's pretty good like metformin is a very powerful drug it's a, people actually use it in longevity as well not just for diabetes the other group the walking group for 15 minutes a day that's it they decrease their incidence of like diabetes. 100% almost? 58%. Okay. That's freaking huge. For only 15 minutes. So can you it's imagine? It's almost, almost double what the drug you imagine? is. Yeah. And could you imagine what it was if you even walked for longer? Like that's unreal to me. It's, yeah. it's just like blue, blue, no, blue but my we, mind. Is it? To me, to me, with everything that we know, it's I like know. that's actually, it's almost logical because movement is like the core to keeping us. Yeah. Healthy and active and keep, you know, and keep our blood flowing and keep everything, everything moving, right? Everything. Keep and everything he, moving. I feel like a broken record here. And he talked, he talked to uh, Stuart McGill, the back guy, and he yeah. was like, yeah, like rucking is really, really good for you because it strengthens everything, strengthens yeah. those back muscles, obviously. And he, even the one biomechanist that he talked to says like, we're suffering today from like diseases of captivity. So we are like the orca in the tank with the the fin curved over yeah. and it's like oh my god that's so freaking sad what have we done to ourselves yeah and it's funny too because you hear about those whales in captivity and then they just snap and kill somebody yeah. or whatever but i mean number one they're killer whales <laughs> that's, that's, what what they they, that's what they do <laughs> that's what they do so that's one thing but it's also like is that why you know because you, you we always talk about why are there so many shootings school shootings particular in the united states yeah what's going on here, right? And like, whatever, if you think it's the cause is because, of gun, no, like, listen, guns are not walking into school shooting people. People, people are, are doing that. Yeah. Why are they doing that, right? Yep. Obviously, I think if they didn't have guns, they'd do something else. Like, what is going on? Is yeah. it that kind of thing where we're living in such, again, everything is so easy, so comfortable. Yeah. There's no sense of purpose. There's no nothing. We're living in captivity yeah. and people are just snapping. Yep. Like, yep. Could that, is that, well, one of the reasons why th there's well such a be. huge increase in, in, in that, that type of violence. Um, yeah. Because it wasn't happening like that before 100 years ago, I don't think. I don't know. I don't know what the, the rates are. Yeah. But it seems know. like there's another. I mean, th doesn't one happen almost like every day in the States? I don't know. It's Some type of shooting nuts. anyways. Maybe it's not necessarily a specific school, school shooting, shooting, but it's like it happens all the time. type of violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last thing that I'll talk about, and it's just a quickie, is 
and has to do a lot too with the pandemic and my issues around hand sanitizer. But we are living in an age mm. where we are over sanitized right. and our hygiene is out of control. Nothing can be dirty. We're using sanitizer all the time. Especially oh, now, the amount of sanitizer I see, I'm disgusted by. Bob, I never use that stuff. Just Me, like I never even take penicillin if I don't have to. Well, antibiotics or whatever. Well, you're gonna take it if you're in a light. No, if situation. I need to, but I mean. But my point anyways. is, is our microbiome, even on our skin, our skin microbiome is so important. It affects our mood, our immunity, our metabolism, everything. It's so important, and so using all this hand sanitizer for the last almost three years it's and then all the ones they pulled off because they have like toxic crap carcinogens or whatever it's unreal to me so i just had to add that quickie in well as part of i mean that yeah i don't don't know like it's like i think i remember some doctors talking about oh if you have your vegetables just don't wash your vegetables and just eat them out the ground because there's all those microbes and you can get those beneficial bacteria and whatever yeah Yeah, there's lots of stuff we've learned about the microbiome and the gut and having harmony and like challenging like is it when you have antibiotics or um hand sanitizer or whatever it's like you're killing you the whole idea is you're killing everything right which is fine because you're going to kill the bad stuff but you're also going to kill the good stuff and then what's left over is this like open season for something to come in and just right and colonize and if you get a bad bacteria or bad whatever that just takes over everything yeah yeah that's it leads to infection and of course by having everything sterile as well too and your body's not used to seeing you know, foreign invaders or whatever, then your immune system is, you know, it's, it's, it's not as strong because it's of not being used, not, yeah, of course. you know, like I guess if you don't use it, you lose it. So in your body, like if I, I, I don't know how that works. So I'm not going to say too yeah, much yeah. about that. But yeah. from what I know is that when you're constantly being exposed to different things, it just helps your immune system kind of be able to pick up on good things, bad things or whatever. Yeah. And it's just kind of, it's like, it's basically like equilibrium. Think of your body and everything as like this giant forest where everything is all together. Yeah. But when you burn the forest down, like one thing at least is just going to start and grow. I, that's a bad example because forest fires are actually really good for yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the idea anyway. is that one thing can just kind of colonize and yeah. just kind of take over. So it's not good for you. The Anyways. Point, the point is with all of this, I think you can sum it up by saying there's this concept, I think we've talked about it before, called hermesis. And that is... It's just like when you're lifting weights, right? You're putting stress on the muscle, but that muscle's going to grow and it's going to grow bigger and stronger. And that's true After with the stress, yeah. everything in our body. We need to stress our body a little bit in order to be better in all areas. And so I think that that's yeah. what we need to move towards. What doesn't kill you only makes, makes you stronger. stronger and it's 100% true. Why that's the saying. Yep. It's 100% true for everything. Yeah. So... Yeah, so that's the bug. Unless it doesn't kill you, but it cripples you. <laughs> that's yeah. not good either. So, but so, yeah. so that's the book. Yeah, I mean, does he talk a lot about? I guess he goes a lot about into society or whatever. Does he? Does he come up with any kind of solutions as to? Um, you I know? think well, because I think like he he does like he talks to a lot of these different researchers that are doing research on. I mean, there was one that was able to prescribe like how many how much time you should spend in like different nature settings, right? Like because if you live in the city, right, it's going to be a bit harder to. So there's even like once a year if you can go out into like actual backcountry wilderness, like right. for like a week, like you know, like that's good. Yeah. So he was talking to those um, different people. So a lot of individual solutions, not so yeah. much like here's what society 
as a whole should do. No, because you I can't, think you got to change from within, I yeah, think, to be able course. to. Yeah, of course. And I think the Masogi and him going out and doing this, this big hunt and talking to, like he talks about Masogi quite a bit throughout. Right. So, so, the, so this Masogi thing, I always think of the, the misogyny. I so know. this misogyny thing that you want to <laughs> do. Yeah. We'll talk about books in terms of what you want to incorporate. Mm-hmm. What would you want to do? We talk about doing the crazy mm-hmm. adventurous stuff, but yeah. not anything into the point of actually failing and then you're going to die yeah, kind of thing. Of like course. that's like, oh, I'm going to just course. go walk up like a tightrope across like a canyon. It's yeah. like, ah, no. <laughs> right. But what is something that's appealing to you? And if so, what kind of thing would be appealing to you? Something that is so, maybe if you don't, if you fail, you're not going to die, but it's like, so one, oh, I'm going to try to climb a mountain or one family know. that there was a homeschool family when we lived in Sudbury and they did this with their, um, they have four kids and they would do this with their kids and then their other family, like sister or brother or whatever, they mm-hmm. would do the same thing with them as well. And they would go once a year, they would go to a provincial park and they would be there for uh, two weeks backcountry camp- camping. And Clarney Algonquin? Algonquin. And so they would go and it's two, it's two weeks and it's back country. So you're eating dehydrated food. You're doing hard things. They would make, she like would say like, you know, like we make them go out in the rain and paddle. If we got to paddle that day and it rains, well, that's just what we have to do. Yeah. You know, we, we try to push that discomfort a little bit and I think yeah. that's important. Yeah. So something like that would be cool. Which we've done before. So we've done before. So we might not be as discomfortable, yeah. discomfortable. Well, it's, it's about the experience. We oh, know what to expect sure. and stuff. For sure. So that would be kind of cool. Uh, trail running. I think Tristan would really, really love to do trail running yeah. and that can be hard. Well, we've already started. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what about you? What do you yeah, I mean, I, I think there's obviously challenges in terms of, um, you know, into the real world of we have to bills to pay and whatever in terms of challenging in terms of starting a business and everything like that. So that's absolutely, one challenge. Um, absolutely. But definitely physical challenges really oh, yeah. uh, pique my interest. Um, doing something like that backcountry would be fantastic. Uh, like two weeks, just go whatever. Mm. And I, I'd almost like to see what it'd be like to do it alone. To, Ugh, to just go no myself and I've seen other people do it. It's like, oh, it's yeah. like finally, you know, one week backpacking mm-hmm. across whatever. Yeah. Um, so that would be, that would be a different challenge, right? Because yeah. you're by yourself. So that's almost like a personal thing. Yep. Um, but now uh, on the spot. Um, yeah. I don't think this is so much of a challenge, but like skydiving Ugh. would always be something where it's no just, thanks. it's not so much of a <laughs> life or death thing, but it's like pushing yourself through your comfort level of what you know that's you're sc- supposed to be shit, afraid right? of that that you're supposed to be afraid. no of i fights. know but uh, what's at the what's at the at the most afraid right mm. after that is the moment of bliss because everyone course. says the freedom of falling of and the, and even the beauty of it as well too if you're of seeing course. whatever yeah of course surrounding of so course. that would be something but again that's i think that's a little cheesy um to be honest because that's not like anybody can do it that's just like a matter of money (laughs) you know like just pay my money and and go skydiving yeah but yeah i i I think of something like biking across canada Mm -hmm. you know like that's kind of where it's a real again Mm -hmm. where are you gonna where are you gonna poop (laughs) yeah you know that's a it's a big challenge so that's the kind of thing that i think of not so much like even walking across canada would be like amazing but i also don't have three months to just go and do that but yeah. that being said you never know what can mm-hmm. happen yeah but that would be an adventure be cool. yeah but yeah something stuff like that that's really yeah. really hard endurance yep um pushes t- you yeah pushes you but the beauty and 
mm-hmm. like every night going to bed under the stars or whatever yeah. after like a good you know 300 kilometer bike or whatever yeah. you can do in a day absolutely maybe not that's a lot but mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yep for sure yeah for sure i think so cool one to ten the comfort crisis so i'd give the book an eight out of ten okay however if you are going to read no no no, no. what's your you, rating it's eight out of ten if you're gonna read one personal development book this year this is the book to read over habits atomic habits uh yeah really yeah really um it hits everything it mm. hits every single thing it's a holistic thing that's looking at everything not just building hat like that's a the habits is a different book this one is talking about i know but it's about helping you know figure yeah. out what's not good in your life and how you can yeah. make it better <laughs> by instilling habits yeah but i think this one is more because it just talks about right. so many different facets of life and what you can do to improve your life and just improve your resilience yeah. as a person. and i was just so. going to say it seems like it gives you some actual actionable advice yeah. or even at least things you can start to think about and how you can incorporate that in your life right and i think for me like i'm really i'm not a big i'm not on my phone all the time anyways but even thinking about how i can be less on my phone i think about that that's actually uh, sorry go ahead and then and then rucking like we we're starting to do ruck like rucking now right we walk all the time anyways anyways. so just throw a backpack on and go it's no big deal it's no big deal right um so that being said, mm-hmm. here's another thing to do of going cell phoneless for like a month. You know, give it up. That's a, an experiment, right? To see what it's like. A lot of people do this. Like, sure, what, but what does that mean? I'm not allowed to talk to my family? Okay, like, well, maybe if you're going to call to use a phone, okay. but like no cell phone, like just no phone. So no Nothing on the phone. Oh, yeah, I'd be that's fine. All. I'd be fine. Right? That, I'm just saying, right? Like, yeah. that's it's just an experiment to see, like, yeah. do you find... Because, like, what do you do sometimes? Like, I know I do, too. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Yeah. But, like, oh, I got, like, five minutes on the toilet. Beep, 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 SimCity or For whatever, sure. right? So, like, you can't do that anymore. So then what? Well, then maybe I'll bring a book or something well, like that, right? That's what I did back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, as long as I have... Day, when I was young, as I might lo- have to take a Literally, shit. as long as I have a book. When I go out with the kids... I always have a book with me and I will read my book before I pick up my phone. Oh, right. Well, like, because you don't have data, but yeah. <laughs> that's not I have a ton of games I could play on here that don't require data. No, no, I know. But I, know. I, I, I will know. always pick a book yeah. instead because I hate, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I hate being on the phone yeah. in public. I think it's I, so I rude. I don't know I, what it is. I'm just like, I don't want to be rude. Yeah, but know, it's not rude because everyone know. does it and everyone's walking down. I know, down. but so I'm just like, like yeah. I, I'm like, I don't know. For me, it's like, I, I don't think it's socially acceptable and I don't want it. Of course it, it is. Everyone does I know, it. but I don't feel like it. Anyways, yeah. I have a problem with Do it. Do you remember when, this is going by, this is actually a class we had in first year. This was, I think it was, what class was it? Was it organic or was it inorganic chemistry? Or not spectroscopy, I think is what it was. I fucking hated that class. Anyways, it was a first year course. Oh, God. And this was back in 1999, right? So, like, cell phones 2000, were... 1999, 2000. Well, it was 99 because it was the first semester. So, uh, this what We went September 1999 okay. is when we went to school. Okay. So, is when cell phones were just starting to be a thing, right? And then it happened. We were in chemistry class, and then somebody's phone rang, and it was like, whoo! someone's phone's ringing and everyone's quiet and he's like hello and everyone's kind of laughing it's like Mm. oh i'm in class now and it was like funny okay because it was like the first First time time it ever happened for like everyone because like and then after that it was like 
Shut your goddamn phone up. <laughs> it's just so rude. I don't but it's like everyone that. in the class. Of course, there was like 200 people in the class. Oh, yeah, it was, it was one of those first big. First year, big yeah. auditorium. You don't classes. remember that? Well, I, maybe you weren't in that class. Maybe I was, it was a class. in. I was in. Spec- no, but I don't think it was that. I think it was another Trust class me, that you okay. weren't. You weren't in. Yeah, probably. Because um, if it's spec- I all I remember was because we didn't have very many classes together at all. We had spec together, but I remember it was in the spring, the spring semester. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> have. I didn't have spec f- in September. Yes, I just. Sure. I just remember that That's moment funny. so bad because. And I was like, I was pissed off because I'm like, oh, that's what so rude. Because I was so anti-technology, which I still am. <laughs> I know. Certain, but everyone's yeah. like, that. I mean, that was funny. But everyone's yeah, like, yeah. I didn't go funny 20 years when someone's <laughs> phone goes off in All class. It's like. Anyways, that was funny. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know what that story is. I don't know that why that came up. But off your phone. Yeah. Are we done? Yes. Did I? You got the rating? Yeah, got the rating. Yeah, we got to put up the good read. Rating as well. Yeah, I gotta yeah, keep for remember sure. to do that. For sure. Um, cool. Yeah, I think that's it. Thank you so much for watching. Thank we you. appreciate it yeah. as always. Check us out odumanander.com. All of our podcasts are on there. With that being said, Ooh. high five. High five. See if there's any more emergencies going on back there. Let's hope not. We should be okay. Mm-hmm. No one else has come running in, so no, we're good so to we're go. Good. Yeah. Thank you once that's again. Fun. Have yourself an uncomfortable week. Absolutely. Go rock. Go rock. Go (laughs) climb some mountains. Do whatever it is you got to do. Get uncomfortable. And uh, do your thing. Let us know how it goes. Yes. And we'll see you here next week. Have a good week.